Hey there, everybody. This is Daniel Patrick, and this is episode number four of the Mandolins and Beer podcast. Episode number four, the Mandolins and Beer Podcast, brought to you in part by the Mandolin Cafe. Oh my God, I am so honored to have the Mandolin Cafe as a sponsor of this podcast. I can't even tell you. If the odds of you not knowing what the Mandolin Cafe is, if you're listening to this podcast, are slim to none. But if for some reason you have no idea what the Mandolin Cafe is, pause the podcast unless you're driving or flying a plane or using any sort of heavy machinery. When you were in a safe place, uh, just go to the Mandolin Cafe on the interwebs and check it out. It is, it's an amazing resource. The forum, I mean, there's so much information on that website. You, it's, it's unbelievable. So I want to thank Scott Titchener so much for, for being a sponsor. Thank you, Scott. We had a great conversation last week. Um, I had two great conversations for future podcasts, Scott and then Matt Flinner. Both were excellent conversations, and those will be coming up here in just a few weeks. Um, we also have i uh, got a whole bunch coming up I'm, uh, that have already been recorded, so I'm excited to share them. Uh, this week is Caleb Edwards. Caleb's great. If you don't follow him on Instagram, uh, do it. He just today um, posted um, duets with Caleb was the hashtag, but it's uh, him and a fiddle player, and I don't have it right near me, so I can't remember the fiddle player's name right now, but it was phenomenal. So check him out. It's a great conversation with him as well, and uh, speaking of that podcast, for this podcast, we talked about a book, Modes on Mandolin. Neither one of us could remember the author. It's Todd Collins. I'm looking at it right here, and it is a Mel Bay publication, and it's a great book. So that's in the podcast as well, and I felt bad that we neither one of us could come up with a name, but there's a lot to talk about. Um, the At the beginning of the podcast, by the way, I got two emails last week asking um, the name of the song at the beginning of the podcast. Um, I just Honestly, I, I just pick up the mandolin. It's sitting right here, and um, I never know what I'm going to play. And um, that one that I just played today is something that I wrote when I was in Ireland. It's called A Stroll Through Cork, and that's just the A section. I've been recording it and working on it this week, and hopefully I'll have a, a recording of that for you all to hear in the future. I do have the Patreon page up. There are four videos and four tabs on there right now. It's patreon.com slash mandolinsandbeer, I believe. I've already got a few patrons as well, so thank you guys so much. I'll say your names uh, next week on the podcast as well, as I don't have that right handy. I'm just trying to get everything up and ready to go for the release of this podcast. Um, let's see what's going on. Oh, the Poe Ramblin' Boys. They have a new CD out that I have been listening to this weekend. It came out on the 23rd of August, I believe. It's called Toil, Tears, and Trouble. And if you love like kind of that classic bluegrass sound, this is an excellent, an excellent album. Uh, you should definitely check it out um, wherever you listen to music. I would recommend buying it. Um, but if you're only going to listen to it, at least do that and follow them on Spotify. Check it out. Uh, it's great stuff. I also have a Spotify playlist going right now. Uh, it'll be added to for, the, for this episode with Caleb. Um, be sure to follow that as well as the Mandolins Beer playlist. There's a link below. It's great. It's got the songs that we talked about with David Benedict and Tristan Scroggins and Jenny Lynn. It's got the full versions of the songs that I play the snippets on. So there's that. You know what? Actually, um, speaking of the Poor Ramblin' Boys and new music, what are you guys listening to? I would love for you to recommend me some music that you've been that you've been listening to. If you go to mandolinsandbeer.com 
and just go to the contact page. You can shoot me a message. You can message me. You can DM me on Instagram if you follow me on Instagram, which I'd appreciate it if you did. Or you could DM me on Facebook as well. But if you go to the Mandolins and Beer uh, mandolinsandbeer.com there's a contact page there and you can shoot my information it's also got all my gig dates which I have a bunch this week and I want to thank a few people who came out Ginger and Ed I believe from um, they came out this weekend said hey and uh, some other people emailed me this week asking where I was playing and um, so it's been great to meet you people and it's been great again so many emails and so many cool and kind words thank you all so much for listening um, if you're new to the podcast and haven't subscribed, please subscribe to it. I would really, really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, and that's about all I've got right now before we get into this episode with Caleb Edwards. So once again, thank you to the Mandolin Cafe for sponsoring this episode. And um, let's get into the conversation with Caleb. I talked with Caleb. He was on tour with Runa. And uh, let's get into this conversation Thanks again to Caleb Edwards. Be sure to follow him on all his social media pages. Cheers, everybody. All right, now I'd like to welcome to the Mandolins and Beer podcast, uh, Mr. Caleb Edwards. Caleb, how you doing this morning? Man, I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great, man. Thank you for asking. And you were in Ohio this morning, correct? I am. I'm in Lakeside, Ohio. I'm right on uh, Lake Erie, I believe, if uh, we played. I'm with Runa right now, and... Uh, we played at the Hoover Auditorium here last night. Nice. So just waiting waiting to get back in the van and keep going. Awesome. <laughs> and how long of a tour is this is this leg for you? Um, this is going to be about 12 or 13 days, I think. Nice. Um, yeah, we don't – this is the longest one I think we've done. It's usually long weekends or um, – so this one, this one in particular is kind of special because we have this weekend in the Midwest and then we're actually going up to Canada and spending a week uh, in Godridge, Ontario. And um, there's a camp or a, not, ca- not a camp, they call it a Celtic College. Oh, nice. At the, yeah, at the beginning of the week. And then the second half of the week is the actual festival that we're performing at. Excellent, so, man. That's great. So yeah. are all the members of RUNA are, do, are do they all reside in the United States now, or do they are they some from Ireland? Yeah, so we have uh, Fanon Debera, who is from Dublin. Um, he plays guitar. He, him, and his wife Shannon, who sings, they both live in Philadelphia. Oh, okay. And Shannon, Shannon is American. Uh, Fanon has lived in the States now for probably a decade or so. Oh, okay. And um, Cheryl Prashker, who plays percussion, she lives in Godridge, Ontario. Yeah, she's from she's from Toronto, I think. Oh, and all right. She lived she lived in the states for a year for a few years, and she's a citizen here. And but she just recently moved back. Uh, we tease her because you know they spend so much time and money getting their yeah. American citizenship. And oh yeah, no she kidding. Got it, she moved back. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, it's hilarious. Um, but uh, Jake James plays uh, fiddle, and he is uh, born and raised in Queens, and. I live in Nashville, so we're kind of all spread out. Awesome. And you posted, actually, you posted a video with a guitar player just recently on Instagram, and I'm going to post all the links to Caleb's information because his website and his Instagram are some pretty great resources, and one of the reasons why I wanted to have Caleb on the podcast is you're playing that you post uh, often. Oh, you were doing the fiddle fiddle tune a day there for for a spell, which was... Yeah, I was... I was... uh, I thought about trying to... Because I see a lot of people doing it, you know, every day for a year or so. And, 
someone told me like, Hey, you should do that. I said, yeah, that'd be fun. So I started it and then I realized I was right in the middle of summer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, shoot, uh, this is going to be hard. Um, it's just, it's hard to like find, I never realized how much you rely on having a good internet signal. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. No kidding. And, uh, you know, like I spent a couple days at my mom and dad's house and they had horrible reception. I'm like, well, not posting today because I don't, I don't have any signal. Yeah, but uh, yeah. I did it for a month, and that was fun. I'd like to do it longer if I could plan it a little bit. No, they're all great. Better. You have really, uh, you have, uh, you know, you really give um, a lot of your playing, your style, and flair in some of these traditional tunes. It makes you cool. It definitely inspired Thank me you. to be like when you'd post something, I'm like, oh, okay, I know what I'm going to be playing all afternoon now or, oh, or working awesome. on. So every day I'd wake up, I'm like, oh, I can't believe he's. Just still doing it. Still doing it. Yeah, yeah. I can relate. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to, because um, honestly, what I I enjoy, I'm trying to find excuses to play solo tunes more. Sure. Like I've gotten into the box stuff just because you play it by yourself. It's a good, you know, it's a good uh, excuse to listen to yourself. And I'm I'm such a fan of playing with other people. And um, so the 30 days was, you know. It was fun, and then I did a couple of tunes with other people, and I found that a whole lot more enjoyable. And so <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking about maybe trying to backlog it to doing one a week with a different person. Oh, that's awesome. That, yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking about trying to do that because I have so many friends in Nashville, and I get to meet so many cool people that it's like, hey, you got time for a 60-second video? You know? Absolutely. So we'll see. See what happens. <laughs> That's awesome. So you're not initially from Nashville. You're 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 in Ohio currently, but you're you're a Midwest guy, correct? I am. Awesome. Um, if you can't tell by the way I speak. Yeah, same uh, here. I get Canada <laughs> a lot. I live in Charleston, South Carolina now, and people are always like, "Are you, yeah. are you from Canada?" I'm like yeah, close, Michigan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. I didn't know you were from Michigan. Yeah. Was, yeah. That's my. Uh, uh, that's I knew I you can. lived in Charleston. And, yeah, uh, I love it here. Yeah. It's a beautiful beautiful city man i love it um but uh, yeah i grew up in indiana um and then i lived in kentucky for a spell before moving to nashville so where did you you grew up in indiana yeah uh, and yeah. so uh, what was your mandolin journey what age did you what what age did you start playing mandolin i um i started playing guitar in mandolin uh the same year um my dad is a, is a pastor, uh, still is a pastor in the southeastern Indiana area. And he, he played everything. His brother kind of played everything. And uh, both of their parents sang and played. And so it was just a big family thing every time. So I, I grew up with a lot of different instruments just laying around. Nice. And uh, he just kind of dabbled in everything. He's a, He's a really good drummer, but everything else is just kind of he has fun with. <laughs> nice. That's so, fun. you know, I, I kind of had the opportunity at a really young age just to pick up like a banjo and just like strum it and just hear that, you know, put my ear up against it. It wasn't until I was probably 11 or 12 that I really started wanting to play. I started playing drums first. And uh, uh, that's what I started on. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, Sam Bush, you know, yeah, man. In the same way. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But I started playing man a guitar the summer I was twelve, I think. And then uh that Christmas, uh my dad had a mandolin that he was just laying around. And so 
I was playing with some buddies and they were like three guitar players and there's an analyst in there. I'm like, well, I'll just pick that up. You know, I've never, let's try this. I've never tried it. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't, I didn't know any chords, but I understood uh, the chop. And so I just kind of blunted the strings and just kept time and sang. And I did that for a long time. And my dad was finally like, uh, all right, let's teach you some chords because this is getting annoying. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, so he, he taught awesome. me a couple chords. And, um, you know, I it, it was just like I liked guitar. Um, but when I picked up the mandolin, it was just like something went off. And I'm like, oh, OK, this all makes sense now. Yeah. And nice. uh, yeah, so I started playing and. You know, the, the so- Southern Indiana scene has such a great uh, plethora of musicians and um, some professional, some not, and some, you know, that are just doing it for fun. And so I, I was homeschooled as well. So there was a Wednesday, uh, every Wednesday in my hometown, there's a uh, uh, kind of a flea market thing and they, all of the retired old guys would go there and just pick. And so, uh, they, none of them were very good, but they were (laughs) really generous. And so I, uh, I made a deal with my mom that every Wednesday, if I either got up really early and finished all my schoolwork, then I could go to, she would take me to the flea market and I would, I would jam with these old guys. And so, and it was a blast. I loved it. I look forward to it every time. And, um, you know, then, then I kind of, as, as I got older, I kind of branched out and met other kids my age that that played not necessarily bluegrass, but just played uh, music, and uh, that really that was a cool social part of it. And uh, but yeah, man, I mean, I uh, played in quite a few bands in the Cincinnati scene and the Indianapolis scene, and then until I went uh, moved to college, I moved to Kentucky for college. Yeah, and so then, uh, the, you went to the Kentucky School of Bluegrass and Traditional Music, correct? I did. Yeah, it's a two-year yeah, program. So, w- yeah, w- what's that like? That sounds. I, I, yeah, I, honestly, was, until I read your bio, I didn't know that existed. And I'm like, man, that's awesome. A lot awesome. of people don't. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people are a lot more aware of the uh, ETSU program mm-hmm. in in Tennessee, and um, honestly, that's the one that was kind of originally the one I wanted to go to was ETSU. And, uh, uh, I met, uh, the, the Dean of the Kentucky school of bluegrass and he, uh, he was trying to get me to come down. Uh, he started calling me when I was 15. Oh, wow. And, uh, he called me, he goes, we'd like to, you know, we'd like to see you come down here. And, and I was like, heck yeah, let's do it. And <laughs> yeah. my mom goes, uh, no, you can't even drive yet. So <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> problem one, <laughs> uh, problem one, problem one of many. And so, um, yeah, I mean, he just kind of kept in touch. He called, he'd call about twice a year until I graduated. And, uh, so they offered me in-state tuition, which was a big, <laughs> Oh yeah. Which was a big blessing. And so we're like, okay, well, I guess that's kind of the decider deciding factor. And so, it was a good experience, um, socially and culturally and also, you know, musically, obviously, but, uh, just living in Eastern Kentucky, I think if you ever want to even think about seriously playing bluegrass, you should live in Appalachia for 
for a while. Oh, no kidding. It, it, it really just, you know, it's such a beautiful part of the country and the people are, are, are complex and, um, it, it was just a crazy experience. Like oh, you, you'd ha- we'd have to have a whole other hour <laughs> no other. for me to talk about that. A podcast but, uh, part two, part two of the podcast. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and then I, I took two years of lessons from Bobby Osborne. Oh, wow. And, cool. Uh, man. Yeah. He was, he was kind of the, the, <laughs> the poster child. <laughs> he, he was from the town, which is Hyden, Kentucky. come there once or twice a week i think and he would teach uh one-on-one lessons and they have the osmond brothers festival still and uh the students at the school would sometimes perform at the festival and um curtis birch also taught there uh when i was there and he oh awesome uh, man yeah founding member of the new grass revival with with sam bush and uh so like going back and forth, cause I took two years of lessons from Curtis as well. And so going back and forth between like Bobby and Curtis, cause Bobby's a little older than Curtis and uh, you know, Bobby could tell me these one-on-one conversations he had with Bill Monroe and Man, stuff. And that's, that's uh, and also like that's some, amazing. I know some pretty crazy Korean war stories and he was a Marine. He's a war hero. Uh, he's got a couple uh, medals and stuff for his valor and, oh, and bravery. No kidding. I know, and nobody knows that. Yeah, like, wow, that's am- that's amazing. That's incredible. He is a you know kick butt guy, and nobody knows it. And he, you know, I'd walk past his office, and he would uh, have his little trucker's hat on and be eating uh, Arby's roast beef sandwich. And- <laughs> Hey Bobby, how you doing? Oh, buddy, I'm doing all right. How about you? <laughs> and uh, he was he was really getting into the fiddle um, when I met him and kind of got to know him. I think he always kind of played the fiddle a little bit. Sure. He was such a big fan of Kenny Baker, and he I I worked in a library uh, for the school, which was right above his office, and so about ten o'clock every morning, I'd hear that fiddle start up. Oh no, and kidding. Yeah, and he would be playing along with Kenny Baker records. He's just, you know, he's in his 80s, I think. And mm-hmm. even then, he was just hungry for for music. And Curtis is the same way. They both are just genius men and would do anything for you, which is, you know, very uh, generous with their time and knowledge. Well, to spend two years two years of time taking lessons from, from people like that as well is yeah. going to be just yeah. a, an amazing experience, even, you know, outside of playing, it sounds like, yeah. you know, just with that. Yeah, with it was great. People. I mean, yeah. My, one of my advisors, uh, we had a studio class as well where we actually had to, you know, kind of record a project and release it. And, um, uh, I was, I wanted to do something with Bobby or Curtis or both or something. And, uh, one of my advisors said, you should write a song with Bobby and maybe get Curtis to help you record it. 
Oh, cool. I'm like, that's a great idea. So <laughs> Bob, Bobby perfect. and I wrote a tune together. Nice. And uh, Does that tune live uh, anywhere that anybody can hear it? I don't know. I, it's probably on a disc somewhere. I don't know. I should I should uh, record it again with him, honestly. Yeah. But that, it was, yeah, it was a cool. fun little tune that had like three key changes in it. Wow. And it was kind of like uh, – I called it Bobby's Circus because it was just very – I don't know, just kind of, you know, it's <laughs> yeah, kind of sure. like that kind of very chromatic and cool. And Curtis loved that. And so I got the three of us in a room together for like three hours one day. And it was the most fun I've ever had. I was like 20 and, and he's, I'm with these two legends that yeah. honestly, we probably played for an hour and the rest of it was this bull crapping sure. between the two of them. And it was them, them giving each other a hard time and, uh, it was hilarious, honestly. Uh, but just, you know, and Curtis, I still talk to Curtis um, every now and then. He usually comes down to Nashville for Spigma. Oh, yeah. And cool. uh, uh, he, still, he still tours every now and then with um, Butch Robbins. Oh, no kidding. And, uh, yeah, who who had a stint with New Grass Revival. And, um, and Bobby, I see every now and then. He usually comes to Nashville. Well, he's, he's in Nashville a lot. But I usually see him at the Kenny Baker tribute at Station Inn. Oh wow! And I I usually go to that specifically to, to see him and just say hi. Yeah, that's cool. And, I love uh, love Kenny Baker. Oh man, yeah, and he he's you know was such a I think him and Kenny were really good friends as well. So before but, you uh, went to uh, before you went to Kentucky, were you, were you like um so you, you know you working with one guy with which is new grass and one guy which is traditional what kind of music before going up there were you leaning towards like in your mandolin listening world i was um i really when i started playing dad listened to ricky skaggs all the time kid to start kind of listening to that because he's incredibly solid and really tasteful right like he he's very creative and but like the tunes that he writes aren't aren't that hard to learn and just by ear because that's that's what i had it was just a stereo and i had a cd that skipped all the time (laughs) i'm trying to rewind it and like the the fast forward button was broken so you had to like wait for it to play it was a nightmare but um uh yeah i mean i listened to ricky and then dad uh, was all the time buying CDs and tapes and stuff. And he, he brought home uh, the best of Newgrass Revival. Oh, and I, there's a, there's a, it's a two disc thing. And there's a couple of live tracks on uh, one of the discs. Cause the first disc is like the first 10 years, which mm-hmm. is Courtney Johnson and Curtis Birch. Right. And right. the second disc was with Pat Flynn and Bale Fleck. And the second disc, there's a couple of live tracks, and um, there's a, a live, like extended, improvised version of "Singing the Blues." Yes. And I, I don't know if you've ever heard that. I have. I've got it. It's on my. Uh, yeah. It's on my. Uh, so I heard. I don't that. think it's on Spotify. I think it's actually on my I iTunes. I don't think it is either. Uh, yeah. That I bought it, burned it, and put it into my phone. 
Scroggins who we interviewed um, yeah. in the last one. He his he was talking about how his dad had a new Grass Revival CD. They were driving somewhere, and his dad actually, after hours of playing that CD over and over, went to Best Buy and bought something else because he was he was just like we have got to listen to something else. But Tristan was just like over, over, and over, and over. Oh and so, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, well, I really got into Sam Bush and. Um, uh, dad brought home a Nickel Creek CD. Oh yeah, and uh, he just brought brought home stuff. Like he would just, you know, come home with like a pile of CDs, and so I just go through it, and uh, it was amazing. It was like, you know, having the internet at my fingertips before you know, actually having the internet. <laughs> right, right. But um, that was crazy. And he brought home uh, the first Nickel Creek album, and I heard. Oh, to a butterfly. I'm like, oh, well, crap, who's this? Like, <laughs> my mind is blown once again. got into Thiele. I found his uh, Not All Not All Who Wonder or Lost album, mm-hmm. which is, is I think of I think it's historical. Like, oh, it's, it's amazing. It's, amazing. It's, it's one of those, you know, it's like Tony Rice's acoustics or Cold on the Shoulder or something like yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, you cannot go wrong with any of that stuff. It's experimental, but it's also very melodic. Leftwich, uh, oh, just from listening to Ricky, because I realized I realized pretty quickly that I would hear a mandolin break from one of the Skag, Kentucky Thunder records, and I'm like, that's Ricky. And then I hear another song, and I'm like, that's not Ricky. Who is that? Like, that's obviously not Ricky. So I'm like cracking open the the uh, the album, and I'm actually like looking through the booklet. And it says Andy Leftwich, and I'm like, okay, this guy. Like, and honestly, like, I have other favorites. You know, like I love Sierra and Jacob Jolliffe and all those folks, and just really, I admire a lot of people. But Andy, Sam Bush, and Thiele are, and and Ricky are just like, you know, the quintessential. Uh, you know, pillars of me, of me really being interested in the mandolin. Awesome. Now, is there anything in there? What about an influence outside of that circle that might surprise somebody who listens to, uh, to somebody who went to the Kentucky school of bluegrass? Did you have have one in there that was, uh, not in that? Well, the interesting thing about that school was bluegrass. I mean, it's in Kentucky. So bluegrass was the, uh, kind of the main attraction, but honestly it, it studied, because it says Kentucky School of Bluegrass and traditional music. Oh, yeah. So a lot of the ensemble classes and the performance and everybody there 
played bluegrass. It's what they were there to learn. Mm -hmm. But I learned, I studied everything from, it was like an intro to bluegrass, gospel music, jazz, uh, American classical music. Um, so any, anything that was American. Oh, cool. Uh, and then, uh, you know, honestly, it was because not everything, not anything is purely American. It's, you know, it all comes from somewhere. So it was just a lot of studying, like, what bluegrass is actually, you know, made of, which is like Celtic music and blues and stuff like that. And uh, which I didn't realize, you know, and uh, so a lot of that, just going to school and like Curtis and I spent hours transcribing Django Reinhardt solos and John um, nice. Luke Ponty and oh, stuff wow. like that. And, yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, outside of bluegrass, I mean, before going to college, dad listened to a lot of um, blues music. So I heard a lot of like John Lee Hooker and Charlie and the Nightcats and Clapton, heard a lot of Clapton growing up, um, Steve Ray Vaughan, a lot of that, you know, kind of old blues and modern blues. And then, uh, so I, I think in R&B and stuff like that, mm -hmm. like, I think that comes out in probably my singing, um, For sure. that kind of stuff. Um, especially recently it's something that i've kind of realized i'm really interested in and kind of i'm trying to tap into that a little bit more but uh yeah i don't know like uh i recently on the last since moving to nashville i just uh i honestly don't i don't listen to bluegrass a lot like i don't um i don't i try not to stream any music just because you know because but uh <laughs> Um, so like if I'm, if I hear something, if I'm on YouTube and I'm just like scanning through live videos or something and mm -hmm. something comes up and I'm like, Oh, that's cool. What is that? And so like, I'll go find it and buy it. And it's, uh, like I'm on a huge Corey Henry kick right now. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but well, he's a, like he's a, a organist. Oh, organist. Oh, yeah. That's, no. yeah. 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 He's yeah. A, uh, key keys, organ synth, all that stuff. And he, um, he used to play with snarky puppy. And he, oh, wow. uh, yeah, he was the, um, uh, what's that song? Lingus, I think is what it's called. And he oh, plays this yeah. amazing keyboard solo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, there's a killer um, YouTube video, uh, breaking yeah. that down too, which is, yes. Uh, even if you're not yeah. a mandolin player, holy moly, if you're interested, I know in, what, if yes. you're interested in, uh, <laughs> expanding your mind, whoo. Yes. Wow. <laughs> um, I know, I know the video you're talking about. I've watched it probably eight times, Yeah. but, um, yeah, so I've, you know, and that's the farthest thing from bluegrass at some points. And honestly, I'm just kind of looking, I'm always, I'm always looking, I'm always looking for something I can kind of sink my teeth into. And um, like I was, uh, you know, I was on the plane yesterday and I'm just like kind of skimming through my iTunes library. And I think uh, the few songs that really hit me. And it's different. It's different every day depending on what I'm going through or just my mood, you know. Mm -hmm. But I don't I don't take that lightly. So like uh, the Waylon Jennings, um, which is three three women. Oh yeah. Yep. And they sing uh, this one particular song, uh, the old churchyard. Friends slumber in there that we want to regard. We will trace up their names in the old churchyard. 
Love will find a way, and then um, Stevie Wonder's uh, Sir Duke. Oh yeah! So like those three, and um, Allison Krauss and Union Station's "The Sad Song" with Dan Tominsky, oh singing it, and like those, I just listened to those like four songs on repeat for two hours. Oh man! Nice. And uh, yeah, which is kind of eclectic, but it's yeah, no, it's... You know, that's just kind of what gets my gears going. Sure. Well, I mean, and, I, and again, that's that's what shapes you as a musician. I I, I really think a big thing with this podcast again is talking about like mandolin and influences and things like that. And I, and I always try to ask that outside the box question, because I think that's what shapes the people. Because if we all listened to Sam Bush and or Chris Thiele, I think we, we would all, it would just be a blur of, of, you know, a, a lot of similarities, but I think it's those things that people listen to outside that world are what really helps shape us as players. So it's, I find it amazing, and I am absolutely going to be checking out the uh, that solo album by uh, um, uh, Corey. Is that Corey? Is that his name? Corey. Corey Henry. Yeah, yeah. I will be listening yeah. to that this afternoon. Um, Honestly, that, there that he has there. a tiny desk concert that just came out on NPR, which was amazing. I probably watched that 10 times already. oh really well uh, and it just came out probably a month or two ago awesome and uh yeah i mean jacob collier he's another one that's just been taking the internet by storm and i saw him live here in, uh well in nashville uh back in march i think mm-hmm. and that was one of the coolest things i've ever seen the guys he's a, he's he's a modern day bach you know yeah. he's just so um so how what how did you get to nashville from from Kentucky. Well, I um, I w- was getting ready to graduate in 2014, and I was engaged to be married, and so I knew both my fiance fiance and I both knew that uh, we didn't want to because she's from the same area that I'm from. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't want to stay there, and we didn't exactly know where to go. So we looked at some places in Lexington and. Um, Bowling Green, Kentucky, because I kind of wanted to be close-ish to Nashville, but I never, we never thought about actually moving to Nashville. And um, Curtis Birch actually, he helped me out with finding some folks that, you know, would need a mandolin player every now and then. And oh, so, cool. Um, I remember I, I we were uh, looking for a place, and we we're like, hey, how about Bowling Green? That's like an hour from Nashville, and it's still like you know four hours ish away from our hometown and so i remember calling about this house that was for rent and uh you know called this lady and she was really sweet and she said we do for a living i said well musician and she goes then why are you moving to bowling green i said because it's close to nashville she goes go to nashville oh wow (laughs) and i'm like (laughs) Uh, okay. (laughs) And so (laughs) that was kind of a, a seed planted and then Pretty soon after, I uh, went to Spigma, and uh, which is the Society of Preservation of Bluegrass Music in America mm-hmm. that happens every February in Nashville. And I met uh, Brad Bulla, who uh, that relationship would pretty quickly turn into uh, Fireball Mail, oh. which ended up because that was kind of he was like, "Hey, do you 
do you live around here? I'm starting a band. I said, no, but I, I think I'm, I'm moving. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> this lady so, I was trying to rent a place from had exactly. told me I should move to Nashville. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so I called Anna, my fiance and, I said, what do you think about moving to Nashville? And there was a long silence on the phone, and she goes, okay. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it was uh, – well, before we got married, I actually was uh, driving to Nashville to start playing gigs with Fireball Mail. And uh, they were a really good gateway into me getting into town. And uh, so moved in – I guess June of 2014, and I've been there ever since. Awesome. Yeah. And Fireball Mail, then you recorded Bending the Rails. Now, was that... I did. Was Bending the Rails, was that before you guys won? Because you guys won the Telluride Band Competition. We did, and that's where you and I met. That is where we met at Telluride, yeah. 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 Was that that the year that... It was the year you guys. It was the year you guys were playing the main stage because you won, which is a pretty pretty great prize for winning the Telluride Band competition. Yeah, Yeah. they give you money too, but no one ever talks about it, and I honestly can't even tell you how much it was. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, you know, playing the main stage is worth more than anything. Yeah, that's pretty priceless. Yeah, um, that bending the rails. We recorded that in two separate weekends which was the fall and spring before that summer. Oh, okay, cool. The, yeah, and then we, we really, we, excuse me, we released it the week we got back from Telluride. Oh, wow. Which was a cool week. Like, we, we won, and then we came back and did a bunch of, like, you know, interviews and stuff with papers and sure. radio and stuff like that. And then we came back and had a, a, a CD release show at the Station Inn. It was also kind of like a big, you know, like a uh, party that we're like, Oh, we also won this too, which yeah. is cool. And everybody, it was, it was amazing. There's a lot of people that came and sat in with us and it was just, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And the station good, in good if, memory. I bet in the station in, if, um, if you are planning a trip to Nashville or if you've ever been thinking about a trip to Nashville, don't go to Broadway, go to, the, <laughs> just go to the station in, man. That's your first, it's, that's your first yes. stop when you go to Nashville. I mean, it is obviously Carter's and Groon's and, and, but if you could go to a venue, man, yes. the station in is so amazing. You, and you can't even, you might've seen videos from it. If you're listening to this, I've only seen videos when you walk in, it's just, you got to experience. It is my favorite. Oh yeah. It is my favorite place. It, it is. Yeah. Whenever, somebody asked me like, Hey, what I want to go to Nashville. What should I do? I said, you should go eat Thai food at the smiling elephant yeah. coffee oh, yeah. at and roast and then go see a show at station. In. Yeah. That's, so that's, that's, those that's are my places. Perfect, that's a perfect Nashville <laughs> experience right there. It is. Yeah, I think so. So what is it like uh, to win? To, you win the Telluride bluegrass competition. Um, so what's that like as far as what happens after something like that? Well, I mean, you kind of have, it's kind of like anything else. It's kind of, you know, I've uh, been fortunate enough to play a lot of music with Adam Wakefield as well. And Adam went on to win second place on The Voice. And it's kind of like, it's a similar thing. So you have this title for a year. And you can, you know, there are bands that have really, exploded and used that kind of really leaned into it and just took uh really took advantage of of that title mm-hmm. and um like dixie chicks i think won the telluride bluegrass competition and you know look at yeah 
Green and, sky, uh, green sky, blue green sky. Exactly. They headline it now. Yeah. And, um, even bands that, uh, the Rocky grass is a similar situation. So like Meadow mountain, oh, I don't yeah. know those guys personally, but mm-hmm. they, they're kind of kicking right now, as far as I can tell. And, uh, which is awesome. I love that. And they're kind of progressive and they're really good. Yeah. I believe they working, played the band the competition the year that we met. Um, if I'm, oh, if I'm not mistaken, right? I think they might've played, I, I'm almost positive. I'd have to go back and look now, but I thought I met them. Interesting. And I think, I, know that. I think they played the band competition that year. So, cause I, I know that they won Rocky grass, but they probably did both. I think everybody kind of does both. Yeah, sure. But, uh, but anyways, I mean, it was, you kind of have this title for a year and we, we leaned into it. Like we, we released a record. We were, uh, played a lot of shows and, uh, made it out West a couple more times to play some shows, which is really fun. I love going out there. And, um, uh, you know, we, I think we did with it as much as we wanted to, mm-hmm. we got as much as we wanted to get out of it, awesome. which was awesome. It sure. felt good. And, um, I think, you know, and then, uh, the year I met you, someone else won it and it's all about them right? For, right. for the next, you know, for the next year, which is great. I, I kind of like how that works. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was it was a great experience. I'd love to go back there, and uh, it's hard it's hard to go back not, and not perform. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. <laughs> but, uh, I, I bet. Especially during the festival, but like, it's a beautiful place to just hang out. No, it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. So. And then on your um on on the bending the rails, I do I should note we talked about New Grass Valley. You do a version of Good Woman's Love. <laughs> Blue. Yeah, I, I Fireball and, and it's um, uh, it's a bit. I'd say like a 180 difference if I, I I don't if I'm not speaking out of school here as far as music goes definitely. because I, because yeah. Fireball Male is definitely pretty traditional style bluegrass, yeah. you know. Uh, and then you go to Lateral Blue, which to me is very very progressive bluegrass songwriter yeah. base. You hear I would say a little bit of a Nickel Creek influence um, definitely in yeah. there. And so how do you how do you decide to make that jump? Well, um, Fireball Mail was uh, split between two cities. So we had two guys near Huntsville, Alabama, and then two guys in Nashville. Oh, gotcha. And so um, so the, we didn't get to actually meet together very often because of that. So uh, I was always interested in playing music, obviously. And so I met um, the folks that would become Lateral Blue. And we just started jamming like mm-hmm. once a week at someone's house. And the band consisted of myself and Kyle Lee on banjo, Corey Caswell on bass, and Laura Epling on fiddle. And when we found Laura, it was, that's it. Like, we, we have a band. And um, honestly, we, after we, right, right after we got Laura, we um, played this show in Hannibal, Missouri, and uh, at uh, Hannibal LaGrange University, and it's this you know, beautiful theater on the campus. And, um, we had this, uh, I, I'm still really interested in it, but just improvising, yeah. just working off one another, really listening in quiet settings. Oh, yeah. I'm really, 
you know, I love to let that, you know, let it breathe. And we were like playing around one microphone instead of like all monitors and stuff. So yeah. it was a big change. And so, um, we were playing there and I remember just, we kind of had this conversation. We're like, Hey, right here. And this part of the set list, let's kind of leave it, leave it open-ended and whatever happens. happens. So for, for somebody who's listening to this and, and you're talking about leaving something open-ended, what, yes. what do you do to prepare what what is Honestly, stuff that you work on so you're like you know that got you to the point where you feel confident enough to be like yeah all right i'm gonna listen and play off people what you know how, yeah, how can think, somebody get better as a player to be like yeah let's try this i honestly for me one of the best things that i could have done was listen to other people do that mm -hmm. so there's some a great couple of videos of like chris Thiele and brian sutton just improvising and mike marshall Chris Thiele and Mike Marshall, there's a couple of videos of them doing the same thing, just improvising for like 20 minutes. And there's no, you could hear them like looking at each other and they'll say like Big Mom. Yeah. And so they'll immediately go into Big Mom. But other than that, it's just them listening to each other and having a conversation. Mm -hmm. And I was really interested in that. And Clint Morgan, the guitar player for Lateral Blue before he moved to Chicago, he and I, we were just like cut from the same cloth. Like we understood like I knew what he was going to do. He knew what I was going to do. And it was just beautiful. You know, you need to have like a really good knowledge of your fretboard. Sure. Uh, to be able to pull that off and not become stale. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so if you were to honestly, pick an exercise for somebody to do, um, to go into the learning portion of this for a second here, totally learning the, what would be something that you would recommend uh, maybe an exercise? You know, yeah. Like a book? I, what would you recommend for them? There's, um, there's a book called Modes on the Mandolin, which mm -hmm. was it's a big it's a big thick book um, yes. that I I forget who wrote it, but you could you can Google it and it's you know it's a blue blue book. Um, yeah, I have it floating uh, around here somewhere. I yep, will I will uh, that's be a sure to book. link to that. And um, there's some real cool major seven exercises that I've exactly. worked off from that. Yes, so that that was really cool. And then sometimes I will just put on a drone and in a certain certain note, mm -hmm. you know, maybe. It, E flat or something and just kind of noodle in that key. And you just kind of discover new ways of like, Oh, that note actually works against this note. That's kind of cool. And you, you, you kind of find different ways of making that happen. And you do that with no guitar player on lateral blue, correct? No, there's you, not. So how, as a mandolin player, how does that change how you approach songwriting and performing? Well, um, I play a lot more rhythm now. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> yeah, I bet. I, I, ha I played, uh, if you listen to our EP, mm -hmm. which is Time and Place, yes. it's kind of the debut of that, of the current lineup. Um, oh, I'm just a man. I'm born of these hills. I do what I can. I'll do what I will. I'm born of this earth. I'll turn to the dust when I die. Uh, I'm playing mandolin is my J-Bovier. Oh, okay. And um, so pretty soon after that released, I actually got my current mandolin, which is a Northfield, uh, Big Mon. Oh, and nice. It's a great mandolin. It's a fantastic mandolin. And uh, the Big Mon, for those of you who don't know, is is, is literally bigger. It's it's wider from F-hole to F-hole, mm -hmm. and it's, it's deeper as well. So it's got this... Uh, Ross Holmes calls it uh, 
uh, Mandola Jr. And it's it's just kind of like it's bigger and it's got this really thick kind of mid range. Um, the the treble on it is amazing as well. It's just it's just really well balanced. And so when I got that, a lot of things started clicking. And so I had this instead of kind of chopping on a you know two dowel rods together, I was like taking two two by fours and slapping them. Together. Wow, yeah. And that felt like I was. I was really keeping uh, just everything grounded. Mm-hmm. And so now we've kind of, we kind of have to be strategic about it a little bit. If I, if I want to take a solo or, you know, or something, uh, obviously someone else has to step up to fill that hole. And sure. Laura is really, Laura is really good at that. And Kyle is too. Or we kind of, you know, arrange it to where it's just the mandolin or, you know, it's, it's uh it's kind of a unique situation, but um, there there comes some pros and cons with with not having a guitar player. Sure, it's I bet. funny because you know we've recorded I guess two projects and um, the Go Your Own Way, which is a '70s tribute, I have doesn't had, have any I, guitar on it at all. No, and I, it's, you know what? You, I've listened to Mr. Blue Sky about twelve times this morning before this call. Oh man! Yeah, this is like I um, it accidentally was on repeat, and then I just like <laughs> left it on repeat because I was just like, "This is like, what a great version." Sun is shining in the sky. There ain't a cloud inside. It stopped raining. Everybody's in a play. And don't you know? It's a beautiful new day. That's a tough song to tackle if you have a full band with drums yeah. and three guitars. Yeah. To do yeah. it with no guitar, your you guys' arrangement is uh, it's excellent. And and the way the the songs that are on this EP, the the songs you tackle on this EP are are big arrangements, the originals. Yes. Yeah. And that's that whole album was the idea is that we wanted to take some of those songs you know, like Mr. Blue Sky, for example, or Renegade or something, are yeah. huge, huge productions. Yeah, and great and, solo or Superstition. By, on Renegade, by the way. Great solo. Oh, thank you. You bet. <laughs> on that album it is cool. yeah what other yeah. In, in nerdy gear talk what other sure. uh what other gear stuff what uh, strings picks live stuff what do you uh yeah um currently uh i'm using the uh nickel bronze strings that diodario makes oh yeah and i think actually they're great i think actually um you had posted about that on instagram i probably I, did and i yeah. bought a couple sets of them they are great yeah i um it's kind of funny how, you know, I, other mandolins I've tried strings on. I'm like, ah, oh, this doesn't sound that great. I don't like that. And then nickel bronze is always one I didn't care for on my J. Bovier. And then I put them on, uh, I actually tried the Monels first, which is a very similar thing. Mm-hmm. I like the Monels as well, but the nickel bronze are something special about it. And they, um, they also make it with the E string being an 11.5. 
And uh, Thomas Castle, who plays with Circus Number Nine, yes. he's the one who told me about those. Awesome. And he's someone. He's someone you should get on this podcast. I, that is, uh, but, he's, um, he's on my list. He's yeah, on my, he's on my list. He's great. He's great. He told me about the nickel bronze eleven point fives, and I, I started using them. And it's funny because I uh, lateral blue just recorded a record in May, and um, I so I you know put a fresh set on for those that weekend in the studio, and I didn't take them off until. Two weeks ago. No, no kidding. And yeah, and we're almost in August now, wow. and it was just I I couldn't bring myself to take them off. They were just like so. I don't know. There's something about it, and I'm usually the guy who wants them to be very fresh and very bright. Sure. Uh, something about you know them being old on that mandolin was just spectacular. That's awesome. But do um, you have a release date for that album yet? For Lateral Blues' newest album? Um. Well, it is a Christmas album. Oh, cool. And so expect it around Christmas. Oh, right on, man. Yeah. <laughs> Please let me know. Uh, I'll oh, definitely I advertise the heck out I of will. it for you, too, yeah, man. Yeah, totally. And, and you were on. Uh, I do realize. So uh, let's jump to. So he's got to get on the uh, get in a vehicle here to get to the next city here in the next 15 minutes or so. I, yeah. <laughs> it's been such a great conversation. So I want to make sure we get to all the things about you. And, and so now you're on tour with, um, with Runa. So I was, uh, my wife works for, um, a couple of musicians, uh, that are Irish and, um, uh, it was a great, great, you know, opportunity for her and she's their nanny and, uh, uh, they tour around all over the country a couple times a year and they have this amazing band. And so she was telling, I'm I've always been interested in Irish music and stuff. And, uh, I don't still to this day, I don't consider myself to be, uh, a very good Irish musician, but, um, I, uh, I would call her and she'd say, Oh, Caleb, you gotta, you gotta meet this guitar player. He's, um, uh, he's from Dublin and he, he used to play on uh, river dance and, uh, back in the late nineties, early two thousands, which was huge at that time. Huge. And I definitely watched it all the time. My grandma would, you know, tape it. And so, you know, PBS is just what we lived on. And, uh, so I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'd like to meet him sometime. I bet he's amazing. And so uh, I was uh, – it was last fall. I was – it's funny because I was I was in the movies and uh, I was trying to watch some stupid movie I'd snuck into. And uh, <laughs> I kept – I was trying to nail down this gig with some guy in town and it was just being really frustrating. It was being really demanding and it was for nothing basically. Sure. I, was, I just wanted to play cause it's kind of getting to that slow point of year. Yeah. And, uh, and I finally just told the guy, I'm like, ah, you know, I'm, I'm just going to not do it. And he's like, Oh, that's fine. It's fine. Um, and so I went back into the movie. I, I had stepped out like three or four times and I was just frustrated and I get this email and I look at it and it's, and it's through my website oh. and I'm like, Nobody ever visits my website. <laughs> and, um, so I, I look at it and I remember I, I read it 
and uh, it was from Shannon, and she said, my husband and I are part of an Irish band. Um, two of our members are leaving. Uh, we'd like to know if you would like to join the band. You came uh, recommended from Ross Holmes. Oh, wow. Nice. And Ross Holmes, if you don't know him, uh, was the founding member and fiddle player for Cadillac Sky. Yes. And went on to tour uh, pretty hardcore with Mumford and & Sons and Bruce Hornsby. Yeah, that's with right. Yeah. The Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. And he's one of my all-time favorite musicians and such a, such a beautiful person. And um, I, so when I read that, he recommended me. I'm like, oh, crap. What is, <laughs> what is this? And so I left the movie. I just left and went home and started pulling up all their music. And uh, the two members that were leaving are actually some friends of mine and and neighbors too. Oh wow! Like, oh cool! Like Zach and Maggie, like they're fantastic. And so uh, my wife Anna, I just sent her the link to the to their uh, their press kit, and I said, check out this band. I didn't tell her anything. I said, check out this band. Let me know what you think. And uh, so she watches it, and like 30 seconds later, she texts me back. She goes, yeah, that guitar player. He's the one I was telling you about. Oh wow! I'm like, what? And yeah, so I called I called Shannon the next day and I said, yeah, let's talk about what this looks like. And I said, I think you just met my wife too. And so we just made this like crazy connection, and it was that was wild. But I that was um, right around Thanksgiving uh, this past Thanksgiving, and I started working for them in January. Nice. Yeah. So it's been a lot of fun. It's uh, I enjoy traveling, and Lateral Blue is is still a project that we all care very much about uh but we also have a lot of downtime because we all you know we all work sure and so um just the timing of everything has just really been special and so i i was on the road for three months with runa at the beginning of the year and then we didn't really play at all until uh kind of now really wow and so there there are large gaps between shows since everybody in Runa also works. Oh, cool. Other things. And so it kind of, but it's, it's a very set schedule. So it's, it's perfect for me who has another project that I'm really focused on. Yeah. It's awesome. So I literally, I'm on the plane, like going to San Francisco with Runa and I'm listening to Christmas music gearing up for, <laughs> for the lateral blue album. And so it's been really perfect. And, um, I'm hoping to get Runa to Nashville here next year. That'd be That'd be uh, pretty great. Yeah, that'd be but. awesome. So how do you – you post a lot of cool stuff on the Instagram. And so for people who – I mean, sometimes learning stuff is frustrating, and um, it's easy to just give up and be like, oh, I'm never going to be able to play that. So what's, yeah. some, what's some advice? How do you approach learning something new? How do you deal with the frustration of it and, and go about uh, getting getting it down? Yeah, I mean, for the, for the 30 days of Instagram videos uh, – I, I learned a couple of tunes and um, I re I'm really on a old time fiddle tune kick. Sure. I love that cool. stuff. Uh, and yeah, and they're quirky and crooked and I just, I love that. And so I kind of, I'm a big Bruce Nolsky fan. He's, oh, yeah. he's wild to watch, but you know, I would just, I have so many friends that are, that know so many great tunes. And so I would just text them and say like, Hey, give me a list of like three or four tunes I should learn. Cool. And so they'll just send me one and I'll listen to them. I'll find a couple different versions that, you know, that I like or don't like, or, and I'll find one and, or I'll, I'll find a couple and, and just mix the two. Mm -hmm. And, um, as far as learning them, 
some of the old time tunes are kind of hard to like, you can't really find any notation for those sometimes. Sure. Um, but finding a good recording, good quality recording of, of the tune and I'll download it and put it in the amazing slowdown yeah. sometimes and just, just pick it out by ear and you can just play it as slowly as you want. Take as much time as you want. If you get frustrated, take a walk. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, well, awesome. I mean, so two quick questions, and I know you gotta. I know you gotta get on the road, and I really appreciate the time. No worries. Today, so. I'm outside. The bus isn't, or the van isn't here. So uh, sweet. It's well, perfect. <laughs> so, so uh, two two quick questions then. Um, first off, it is mandolins and beer. So, do you have? Uh, do you drink beer? Uh, do you have a beer that you enjoy that you recommend? I know I'm not a big beer drinker. Mm-hmm. I- I kind of prefer my bourbon and whiskey. Yeah, over well, beer. well, that's well, what's a what's a bourbon that you would recommend? I, I also I'm like really, some bourbons. Um, yeah, as far as beer, I like a I like a good Guinness every now and then. Sure. Um, I drank plenty of those much, in that's Ireland. That's pretty much it. I have a couple of <laughs> yeah, I have a couple of pints, you know, maybe three times a year, and I'm good. Yeah. But um, my my wife recently spent uh, a month in Northern Ireland. And uh, I think actually the same time you were. Yeah, I was going to say, I think she was like June, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, She was there for the whole month of June. Yeah, I was there as well. Yeah, uh, it was amazing. She, our anniversary, she was gone uh, over our anniversary. And so it was our five-year anniversary, and she brought me home this 12-year-old bottle of Bushmills. Oh, wow, nice. with uh, the label on it says happy anniversary Uh, and all this stuff. And it was the sweetest thing. She's just like, that's a woman who knows your heart. That's so great, man. (laughs) And uh, so we... We were like, let's save it and you know maybe crack it open on a special occasion. And we had a couple of friends over. We're like, nope, we're opening this, and it was it was great. Like we still have some left, but it was uh, yeah, uh, it was really good. It's kind of what I'm what I'm digging right now. That's <laughs> awesome. And then ten minutes. That's this is my my whole thing. I try to tell players when they're asking how to maybe try to get better. And one of the things that I always say is just try to pick up the mandolin for ten minutes a day because a totally. it always you always play longer than ten minutes. Yep. And B, you just practice these things, and eventually they fall under your fingers, and you move on to something else on those ten minutes. So if you add ten Definitely. minutes today to be like, oh, I've got to, uh, I need to, uh, I want to play just ten minutes today to get a little bit better. What would you do with that ten minutes that you would recommend somebody to do? Um, probably warm up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Probably play slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you play? What I like to, what would I play? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really enjoying um, a lot of Vox violin sonatas and partitas. Oh, cool! Yeah, and um, I le- I've learned quite a few of them over the years, and I'll, I'll go through periods of learning them and then forgetting them and then learning them again. And it's just like it's a great way to. If I feel pretty poorly about a show I did the night before, I'll pick up my mandolin and just play Bach. Yeah, and awesome. so I had a buddy tell me that that's the worst thing I could possibly do. <laughs> but for me, it's just kind of a great, great way to just be really reflective over what I did wrong. You yeah. Know, which is, he also told me it wasn't a good idea. But <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I like it. I, I enjoy it. And uh, like, I think yesterday to warm up, we had like 20 minutes that we could be at the hotel before the show. And you take advantage of that stuff. Oh, absolutely. And instead of just, you know, being in a quiet room, playing your mandolin, warming up, stretching, um, I just slowly, probably at like 70 to 80 BPM, mm-hmm. I was just playing the G minor Preston. Nice. And I'm not, I don't play anywhere nearly as fast as Steely. You know, I was just uh, um, playing it 
at a comfortable speed where I could just feel everything. Absolutely. You kind of want it. You kind of want it to where if you're warming up, you want it at a speed that you can play it comfortably. Mm-hmm. And yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't like to get it much fast. I think it's a beautiful tune, anyways. Oh, for sure. And it's great. The, some that. of that, some of the box stuff. Well, some of it's real difficult, but there's some of the pieces that are real good warm ups to. Uh, to get, oh, the, to get the right hand and the left hand getting in yes. sync with each other. And even if it's just like a slow version, um, totally. again, it's just you're, you're going to get warmed up pretty quick. So, Yeah, I mean, if you ever want to challenge, work up a couple of, of those pieces and, and perform there. Yeah, I bet. I mean, we do a house show once a year at my mom and dad's house. Oh, cool. Last year, I, I worked up the B minor Saraband and the Saraband double. Wow. And uh, performed it. And it's probably the, one, the only time I've performed those two pieces back to back. But that was a lot of people. I did it by myself in between lateral blue sets. And a lot of people told me it was their favorite part of the show. Oh, man. That's awesome. Which was surprising. I mean, we were in the middle of bluegrass country. Sure. So you just, you know. People love good music, man. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I think good music is good music no matter where you you're, are. And it's going to turn totally ahead right. when played well. And, and uh, if yeah. somebody's going to play it well, I'm going to put you at, uh, at, at that place where uh, I would expect it to. It would be really good. You're, you're a great player, oh. man. And I and thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. And I appreciate you're busy. And I really appreciate you taking the time today. And um, thank you so much. Everybody check out Caleb Edwards. I'll post all the links and his social medias. And you definitely need to, uh, if you're not familiar with him, get familiar with him. So thank you so much, Caleb. Uh, man, Daniel, thank you so much, and uh, good luck to you, and I hope we'll see you soon. You bet, buddy.